Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the wonderful Kaylee Sapanta. We're talking about why you are smart enough to do your PhD, even if you don't really feel like it. We talk about imposter syndrome, we talk about growth mindset, and we share some words of wisdom from Kaylee's dad. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hi. Thank you so much. You very generously sent a message and said, I'd be really happy to come and share my thoughts and experiences on the podcast. And I just, I'm always so touched when people say that. It means so much. Um, It means so much to me that people people are willing to share. And it means so much to the people who are listening to, to hear real stories it's it's so encouraging and inspiring so thank you so much for doing that for taking that step and for being here oh my gosh of course it is such a pleasure I'm really excited to to talk about the topic that we're going to talk about today I think it's really important so I'm 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 honored hooray hooray and yes we're going to talk today about being smart enough so this I I am really looking forward to talking about this um yes 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 but before (laughs) before we get to that um, I always ask people to tell us a little bit about their journey. So can you tell us a bit about a bit about you? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I am a personal trainer turned scientist. Love that. Um, Love that. <laughs> I have a very, very long journey. So I, I did my undergrad in exercise science and I had no intention of going to grad school, no intention of doing research at all. I wanted to be a coach and a trainer. And so I took courses that were based off of that, based off of program design in terms of like, how do you, you know, design someone's weight loss program or, you know, a soccer player's strength program or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, I graduated, I became a trainer and I really loved it. But I, as I was in the field working with my clients, I of course had people who wanted to lose weight and build muscle and things like that. I think those are really common goals when you like hire a trainer. Um, but I also had people starting to ask me questions about more clinical conditions. So things like, you know, I've noticed that since I exercised, my blood pressure has gone down or my blood sugar has gone down. And those things obviously made me so happy, but they would ask me, well, why is that? How did that happen? And I was very unqualified. I was like, I I can teach you how to squat, but I can't really teach you how to, you know, or answer that question for you. I became really intrigued. And so I decided to go back to graduate school and, um, you know, take the leap and get a PhD in exercise science, but more specifically clinical exercise science. So that's what I've been doing for the last gosh, it's almost been seven years, um, and two master's degrees and a PhD candidacy later, I am one year away from graduating and I'm studying clinical exercise physiology. So basically looking at the science of how our bodies respond physiologically to exercise 
And then based off of that response, how does that change clinical conditions? So I've worked in cancer populations, Parkinson's populations, diabetes, obesity, et cetera. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, I love that. It's making, I've just written down, we must invite you back to do um, exercising as a PhD student and what that can do for you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, That's a whole other topic. Every time people come on, I'm like, oh, we'll have to, we'll have to talk more about that. But what, what, what? I love there is that kind of leap of leap of faith and kind of, well, it's not even leap of faith, is it? Kind of a, a leap of um desire to know more and <laughs> love of knowledge. That's what it's about. Um right. and um so how gorgeous that your your kind of your initial passion then has led you still on a quest for for wanting more and exploring deeper. Love that. Yes. <laughs> Um, and congratulations for being one way, uh, one year away from graduation, because that is um, that's an exciting time to be. It's very surreal. I'm like I'm starting to get my CV together and apply for jobs, and I'm like, wait, am I at this stage yet? Yes, <laughs> Already, yes, it's yes, crazy. Yes. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? As well, that it, it PhD time is a strange time. <laughs> yeah, lasting and time does sort of speed up and slow down, and I think that middle bit yeah. can feel really slow but mm-hmm. then also you can be like blimey am I here already am I at the end already that kind of things yeah. can get can go very fast as well um yeah, yeah. but congratulations for sticking at it as it's it, I know it's been a long journey for you and that is um that tenacity awesome um so we said then we were going to talk about being smart enough um yes. this I talk to hear so many people talking about this as PhD researchers in terms of I don't feel smart enough I don't feel that I should be here um and it breaks my heart um yeah so tell us Kaylee why we are all smart enough (laughs) I mean it it breaks my heart too honestly I um you know I talk to master students who are wanting to get a PhD or even undergrads and they all, you know, of course it's a really intimidating thing to say, I'm going to apply for a PhD program and, you know, follow through with it. And the whole time you're in a PhD program, I think we can all agree that there's that imposter syndrome where you, you feel like you don't know anything and you're surrounded by all these people who are so smart and you feel so, so, so dumb compared to them. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, it's a, it breaks my heart too, because I've learned that it's not really about how smart you are in a PhD program. Like, yes, of course, you know, of course you want to make sure that you're going into a field of study that you know a little bit about (laughs) that you have some background with, Mm -hmm. but you are supposed to learn during a PhD program. And when you go into a program like this, you're not supposed to know everything because that's the point of being a student is you, you learn it from your mentors and your teachers and even your peers. Um, And so it would break my heart to think that someone wouldn't pursue a PhD in a particular field because they felt like they weren't smart enough going into it. Yes, is absolutely what I've just said in terms of that love of knowledge and that curiosity. That's what makes a great PhD researcher. And that sense of I want to know and I want to understand. Um, And as you say, that's what you're there to do rather than knowing it all. (laughs) You're there to inquire (laughs) and ask the right questions. Yes. and I think this issue of imposter syndrome is so pernicious. Um, and also be- because structurally 
it is there. It isn't just people thinking that in their head. There are structures in place that make people feel, and indeed sometimes to make people feel, that they don't belong. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you're from a particular background, then, then yeah, barriers. And I think that's why I love this sense of I'm here to learn, I'm <laughs> here to shake things up. Yeah. Love that. I love that. Um <laughs> Tell us, because I know I know this was part of your story in terms of thinking I'm not, you know, I'm not smart enough. And so tell us how you how you've worked with that for yourself and the, the strategies that you've put in place. Yeah, I mean, I think I, <laughs> I I'm in a, a field of science. So, you know, and, and biological science. But before going to grad school, I avoided science classes. Um you know, as I said, I, I took mostly kind of fitness classes and health classes in my undergrad. And mm. even in high school, I tried to avoid things like chemistry and biology mm. and stuff. Cause I just, I didn't think I was ever good at it. And I think I've come to learn that it was partly the teachers that weren't probably the best for me. And it was my, you know, kind of feeling like I had to be perfect and I, I couldn't ask questions and things mm. like that. Um, and so I think those are things that I've definitely worked through and being in grad school has, it it hasn't really hindered me. If anything, it's helped me to learn how to learn, if that makes sense. Um, Absolute sense. It makes absolute (laughs) sense. And it's something I talk a lot about with people in terms of that growth mindset, the the Carol Dweck work, which I think is really important Mm -hmm. at, at PhD level because people seem to feel that they need to arrive like you just said need to arrive knowing all the answers and and what Dweck encourages us to think about is not yet I don't know it yet I'm gonna get there that doesn't mean I'm not ever gonna know it I just don't know it yet and and like you said why would you know it now you just started (laughs) right yeah 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 I love that sense of 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 people who hadn't served you very well before perhaps haven't served your way of learning before um Mm -hmm hadn't been great experiences for you and this is an opportunity to do it your way yeah yeah I think that's one of the things that I love so much about like getting a PhD in particular and even getting a master's just this world of research is you really can do it your own way um you know I'm I'm so blessed to be in a PhD program where I've you know of course there's the core curriculum and required courses that you have to take but beyond that you really can shape your experience and the classes that you take and the research that you do based off of what interests you. Um, it's one of the reasons why I, I didn't want to go to do a program like medical school or physical therapy school. Cause it was a little too structured for me. I wanted to be able to, you know, my, my area of research is very niche, especially now. And I wanted to be able to kind of shape that. Um, and it's a little scary cause it's obviously less structured. It means that I kind of have to create the structure as it were, um, but it's so much more interesting. And, and I, I love the mentorship that I've been able to kind of cultivate and shape throughout this process as well. I think it's helped me to become, uh, you know, a really great scientist. I, I hesitate to say that because I still have some imposter syndrome. I think <laughs> maybe that'll go away when I graduate. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it is, it stays around. Actually, there's some, um, <laughs> There's some quite saddening statistics about how imposter syndrome is just rife within academia because because of yeah. the because of the structures as I've said that are in place. Um, but what I what I think is great is that you are recognizing that I've got a handle on it 
and you are a great scientist because you're you know you're you're doing this work you're doing this well, thank work thank you um and i think what you what i'm hearing you talk about is that kind of that shaping knowledge what a gorgeous yes. phrase that is and this sense of yeah being being at the cutting edge and again that can that can feel like you don't know what you're doing because right. You don't know what you're doing. You're like, you're right at the edge of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> scoping things out. And so that is thrilling, but also mm-hmm. is um is intimidating. And also as I say, and then people can get the feeling that they they it's it's because they're not smart enough that this mm-hmm. isn't coming together. And actually, it's because like you were saying, you're you're kind of you're crafting ideas and thoughts and ways of thinking. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> which is which is the magic of a PhD, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I also just want to come back to something else that you said about, which I thought was really important about having to be perfect, because um, I think this mm-hmm. perfectionism again, if if is something else that's that's rife, um, right. and and really challenging for PhD researchers. Um, I wonder if you have any strategies of how to deal with. Um, everyday perfectionism (laughs) (laughs) um oh my gosh I think that for me it's a work in progress I'm I'm definitely a perfectionist and um I get performance performance anxiety and you know I've had panic attacks during tests and like I've I've done a lot of therapy for you know a lot of kind of the mindset aspect of things but I think you know as I can start to look back in retrospect on the seven years or so that I've been in grad school so far, I think the best strategies that, you know, the best outcomes that I've had is when I've kind of implemented the strategy of I'm going to, um, what's that saying where you, you throw spaghetti against the wall to see if if it's going to stick. Right. Like, right. (laughs) I just, I, of course I'm I'm thoughtful and, and, and want to be thorough with my work, but at some point I I've learned that I get my best results when I just throw ideas out there and see what sticks. So whether that's, you know, just kind of closing my eyes and and grinning and bearing it and saying, okay, I'm going to send my advisor a draft of an idea that I have, or I'm going to send my, you know, fellow PhD student or other committee member, just something to kind of say, you know, is this good? Am I going the right direction? I guess what I'm trying to say is that getting feedback more often is so helpful. Um, And a lot of times when we have performance anxiety, like at least I think, oh, if I'm sending my advisor a draft of a paper that the first draft has to be the best one. And what I've learned is that, you know, it does have to be good, you know, but it, it also doesn't, it's not supposed to be perfect. And you're probably going to rewrite a bunch of stuff anyways, but the only way that it is going to be crafted into this perfect kind of final draft is if you get feedback from it. And so I kind of just like, Mm. (laughs) I say, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to send this to my advisor, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I, I think that I need to get the feedback and then, then that's what will make it better. Um, and just kind of remembering too, my dad said something to me when I first started grad school, he said, he's not a researcher, but he is, has worked in business and has created a lot of projects. And he said, every time he's creating a project, he, he tries to dissociate the project from himself. So he imagines that if there's a group of people that are talking about the project and are trying to kind of like revise it or make it better, they, that it's an object on a table as opposed to it being a part of you. And that always kind of stuck with me because 
I'm sure, you know, it's like your dissertation is like your baby, (laughs) like it is a part of you. And so if someone gives you critiquing from it or of it, then you take it personally. So I always try to just remember, okay, I'm getting feedback for this portion of my dissertation or whatever it is. It's not a reflection of who I am as a person. It's not a reflection of my work, but it's just a part of the process to make it better. Oh, I love that so much. This, what, what a wise man your dad is. Yes. <laughs> I always think of that. It's, it's, so, I mean, yeah. it's easier said than done, you know, but yeah. it's very helpful. Oh no, I love that. And this sense of it being, being out there. Um, right. And yeah, I, I was reading something the other day when it was saying about how your PhD shouldn't be your baby because you're going to have to do horrible things to it you've got to edit it and you've got to yeah. send it off for someone else like if it's mm-hmm. your baby it's going to absolutely destroy you to send it yeah. and do anything. so yeah don't have your PhD as your baby um right. and I, I love that this yeah that it's not it's not you it's not you yeah. it comes from your heart and it's your desire and it absolutely speaks about things that you're passionate about but um right I think that's that's fantastic and the other thing I wanted to pick up on there that you were saying I was about this mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes, I go on and on and on about this because I totally <laughs> believe it. It's like the PhD is a mindset game, absolutely yes. a mindset game. Um, and having that m- right mindset and w- ways of looking at it, perspective on it, like you said, um, right. really can make a massive difference. Um, yeah. And that's what my work is all about. Like the kind of the PhD mindset. Um, yeah, oh, I love that. I love that. And, and I think it's so important too because you know academia and and I guess research in general, especially being in a science based research, but any research, it's so cut cut dry, cutthroat. And I've definitely had mentors who don't like focus on mindset at all. They're just like outcome performance, outcome performance. But I think that in order to get there, it's kind of a catch-22. You have to have a good mindset and you have to work on that aspect too. You can't just keep working on the outcome and kind of be a robot, you know, in yes. a sense. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's it's that moment, isn't it? You were saying about throwing the spaghetti. It's it's being being able to take action and step into action and yeah. having that mindset of action because that's what will get the outcomes um, and being able to kind of overcome the fear. Right. Go forward because, like you say, actually things will happen because you're in action. And yeah. if you get into a stuck place, that's the most painful place to be. Yeah. And the kind of paralysis and the stuckness. While you're in while you're in action, things can change and evolve. You can edit, like you say, you can edit, you can change it. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I've that's definitely something that I've been because I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to write my dissertation. So I keep remembering that I get like, what do they call it? Analysis paralysis. Yes. 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 I'm like, I can't write, you know, which is a real thing. It is. Yeah. And I, I just have to like set a timer on my phone or something and just go into action without thinking, um, which some days is easier than others, but (laughs) I try, try my best. Brilliant. And I guess, I'm guessing this is where your background as a trainer comes in it, it in you know comes into its own in terms of thinking yeah. about motivation and you know staying with things right yeah yeah i think it's it's been so interesting to see the evolution of you know me being a trainer to being a scientist there yes. there's so much overlap i think you're right like 
um, for my own personal like growth through this PhD program, I think I've been able to, um, you know, I, I, first of all, make exercise and training a priority for that reason. Um, even though like I just finished my comprehensive exams last semester. So my training looked a little different than it did when I wasn't in grad school. Um, but I still try to make, you know, as much an effort as I can to get into the gym because there's of course the physical benefits, but there's also the psychological and emotional benefits that you get from, you know, all the metaphors that can be found in training and in the gym and in, you know, pushing yourself past your strength capabilities or running faster, whatever the case may be. I definitely think it helps me to, to remember that through each exercise session that I squeeze into my very busy schedule. And then I, I also try to remember, you know, what I tell my clients in the gym or on the field is the same type of things that I can tell myself and hopefully future students that I have when I become an advisor, which will be exciting. This there's a book there, Kaylee. There is totally a book in terms of (laughs) PhD personal trainer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're giving me so many ideas. (laughs) I'm on commission though, obviously. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, how useful would that be? I love it. Right. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go for it. Yes, yes. Um, but before we before we do before we take this take this off air, um, <laughs> can you leave us with with a top tip, please? I I would say my top tip. I've been, I was thinking about this a lot. Um, I think that if you are whatever stage of the PhD you're in, but particularly for those who are considering it and think that they're not smart enough to do it like, I will be frank and tell you that I I've used Google and YouTube and taught myself a lot throughout this process. Mm. So the best tip I can give is that if you don't know something or you, you know, feel like you don't know a particular topic that you want to study or whatever, go and go out into the world and get that question answered, whether it's asking a mentor, asking a friend, reaching out to someone randomly on social media, um, like searching YouTube, I will tell you that, you know, the facade of the PhD is that we all know what we're doing, but in reality, we're trying to figure it out as we go. And part of that process is just by being resourceful. And we have so much access to that now. And, you know, 2022, where we have so much information at our fingertips. So, don't be afraid to ask questions and just realize that the best way that you're going to be successful is by being resourceful. Oh, I love that. I love that. And this, yes, this sense of this mindset, which is I'm going to go out and find out how to do that. I'm going to go out and find that out. Yeah. Being successful by being resourceful. Awesome. Awesome. 100%. (laughs) Kaylee, thank you so much for your time. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you for all these wise words. Um, and we, we look forward to your book. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too. I got, I got to write a dissertation first after that. <laughs> oh, no problem. Be fine. Um, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.